Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. Five, four, three, two, one. So, Liz. Yes. I have some news about a high-profile person who has self-quarantined themselves. (laughs) I don't know who you could be talking about, Julie. Tell me. Apparently, this person is very concerned about any exposure to the public (laughs) because he actually is the menace to the public. So he's under advisement not to have gone in public or appear in public or, God forbid, debate anyone in public. And that person, of course, we are talking about is former Vice President Joe Biden. So all of the the, the doctors and the medical team at the DNC have been told him <laughs> he wants to social distance himself from his future <laughs> constituency. Is that what I'm hearing? They basically said, you know, in abundance of caution, Joe Biden is going to be in self-quarantine in Delaware until about November 3rd. He's going to be a hologram. Like they're just going to have like a hologram Joe Biden on these on these sort of airsots campaign stops. It'll just be a hologram, kind of like his political platform, like very ephemeral. I mean, I feel like if we just dragged out like Jack Lemon's corpse, you know, they could just like roll him around the country and just somebody move his mouth and no one would be the wiser. Yeah. Well, that's the only way he's going to go up in the polls. It's it's the same thing with Hillary. It's the same playbook where although Hillary didn't have the benefit of like the Wuhan flu as an excuse, she right. just never made campaign, made very few campaign appearances, very few um, Q&As or organic situations for her. Um, and so that, I guess, apparently seemed to work. I don't know. But it is kind of interesting that the Democrats strategy for success involves hiding their candidates <laughs> from the public. I don't know. Might be your first clue that perhaps a mistake has been made. Yes. You know, I don't know, Liz, if you saw that video or if anyone else saw it, the video after he berated and swore at and threatened <laughs> to take out the auto worker in Michigan the other day. So then he's like stumbling to this SUV and you have that vision of Hillary. Remember, I think it was like Labor Day of 2016. No, it was 9-11. When she on the 9-11 memorial. Like, oh, 9/11. Okay, right. I knew what you were talking about <laughs> even before you were going to go there, but go ahead. And, you know, remember she lost her shoe and they like heave hoed her into the SUV like she was a side of beef. And I was kind of waiting for that moment with Biden. But thank God, Simone, uh, is it Simone Sanders? Yeah, Simone Sanders. Who is apparently the spokeswoman, but appears more to be his nurse. personal bodyguard. A nurse. And <laughs> a critical and care nurse. And his detail. <laughs> Speech therapist. Um, yeah. So she had to stabilize him because he almost fell over. So stabilized. that's happening. <laughs> She's like, crash heart. <laughs> Code blue. It's, Again, it's amazing how well, I guess it isn't because we were we went through this with the 2016 campaign 
with Hillary Clinton about how far the media will go to protect their chosen messiah, future messiah. Um, I, I know I recommended you to read that book, Shattered, by Jonathan Carr. I think yeah. one, Jonathan, what's his name, from Politico and, uh, and some other w- woman who's the author. And the book, Shattered, was supposed to be this great victory story about how Hillary shattered the glass ceiling. Instead, it ended up being a story about how her political dreams were shattered uh, by Trump. (laughs) But when you read the book, it's a great read because there is so much scoop and dirt in there. And the whole time I'm asking myself, why did you not report this? The book is about what an epic F show the whole campaign was and all these issues they had with Hillary and just these infighting. It was absolutely chaotic. And of course it was never revealed to the public until months after the election. And the same play is going to happen with, with sleepy Joe that they're going to pretend he's not, you know, like half there. Right. They're going to pretend that he's, you know, he's in possession of all his rational faculties, that it's normal for your eye to bleed or whatever on a debate stage or for you <laughs> not to know what, what state you're in um, or to take away your AR-14, uh, which is not a thing. Right. And so it, I think the same thing's going to happen and the same people are going to suck it up. It's like if you were a big Hillary voter and you supported her and you voted for her and then you read this book with all of this this i mean literally it's all the things they accused the trump campaign of being but at least the trump campaign had somewhat of an excuse since he wasn't political he didn't know you know he didn't have a bunch of seasoned well-heeled political consultants running his operation it was just kind of like a fly-by-night operation um but hillary clinton had you know the serious professionals running her her campaign and if you learned all about what a mess it was, wouldn't you be kind of annoyed that you were misled? But apparently they're up for round two. Right. And so this is what they're leading up to. Sunday is supposed to be, so they were kind of hoping that Bernie Sanders would drop out. Sunday is the CNN uh, Univision debate. And they're trying to connive a way to get Biden out of that debate. Um (laughs) Some people have suggested that he should just write his answers because Bernie Sanders, which was odd the other day, he described what his questions to Biden were going to be, which is always a bad idea. But it's not weird because Bernie's not Bernie is weak. He's not bloodthirsty the way you you have to be to to win the nomination. Remember, he wasn't going to hit Hillary on her emails you know, he doesn't didn't want to go after any of his hardcore competitors um, on the Democrat side. He didn't want to go after the DNC for rigging it against him in 2016. And he wasn't really critical of them this year. So I'm not surprised because he knows he's he's not going to win. Right. He he's sort of is saving face, but kind of in a way helping Biden by giving him the questions in advance. I mean, That's it would right. be. It would be a baller move if he came to the debate with entirely different questions. But right. he's I just don't think that's his play. I think I think he's trying to save face and kind of save face for the movement because he's not going to be able to run again, um, although he's in much better shape. He's certainly more plucky than Biden. Right. I oh, mean, yeah. 
Bernie yes. looks like he's full of piss and vinegar and Biden looks like, you know, he took too many Tylenol <laughs> PM for his hips or something and he's sleeping. So, yeah, I don't know. They're, it's like they're going to be sitting on lazy boys because Biden didn't want to stand up for so long. I mean, <laughs> so many red flags, like more red flags than the running of the bulls. This. Well, and I think this gets to our big topic, which is the topic that everyone's talking about, and that is the hysteria over coronavirus. And I think that there is a small part of the oversaturation of coverage to camouflage what's happening with Joe Biden. So, of course, they're playing along. Um, So I know this podcast is called Happy Hour, but neither one of us is very happy today. I think it's safe to say we're the opposite of happy. We're pissy. It's pissy hour, but they, we probably wouldn't be able to call it that. Angry hour with Liz angry hour. <laughs> um, this is just insane. And I mean, just from a personal note, my daughter is a sophomore in college in New York. She's coming home today. They've said at least they'll be home till March 30th at the earliest. There's a possibility the class that the rest of the semester will be canceled. Um, They're doing online courses. Funny, they haven't offered to reimburse any housing expenses, food expenses. I was going to ask that. I'm like, so you're getting, you're getting a check. Yeah. Funny of all the little details they covered, that one was overlooked. Um, But this is causing so much, uh, panic and stress on college campuses. I mean, I know it is obviously with adults, um, but aside from this total disruption, really unjustified disruption in on campuses across the country, uh, they're shutting down sporting events. March Madness now is going to be, uh, is going to go on without spectators. Um, so this is I mean, we can get into the various disruptions, but I think they are really unnecessarily panicking kids uh, across the country. And that's that's one downside to this hysteria. Well, I I think that they're doing that because it's been very successful in other fronts. Right. Like how successful has the panic been on the climate alarm right. them, right? That's I mean, right. you these kids are, you know, all medicated and freaking out because they literally think they believe I mean, we're old enough. We've we've been through this cycle like 10 times, right? Mm-hmm. Every every decade we there's like some climate related slogan that's going to happen. Um and then it doesn't happen and then there's some climate uh clown that c- comes forward with like a date, you know, if we don't do this by 1981, the, war, the planet's going to blow up. And then it's in 1993, if we don't do it, you know, all of the plants are going to die. There's always something. So we've been through it and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But these kids, I mean, they're, they're, they're all in. So why wouldn't they transfer that effective tool um, of fear and mo- to mobilize these kids? And keep in mind, and this is, could be my piece up tomorrow. This is the dystopian world that the climate activists want right they want air travel shut down they want large you know they they want this kind of halt to regular life to occur whether directly or indirectly because if you rely on their energy plan which is 100 percent renewables this is kind of what i mean it will look worse than this 
but this is what life would look like. Yeah. Well, that I think that's right. And and of course, you get the cherry on top is like the dissolution and the shuttering of corporations because that's right. businesses can't really sustain uh, for very long without an income. And if everybody's terrified to go anywhere. And of course, the sad thing is that the people and the businesses that are going to suffer are the small and medium sized businesses. Right. Oh. Amazon will 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 be fine for a while. The restaurant up the street from me is not going to be fine. Um, a medium sized business can't go a month without revenue and make its payroll. And so right. people are going to lose jobs. I mean, you're absolutely right with this. It's 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 another page out of their playbook. Yes, it to is. Get the panic moving, freak people out, keep them on their toes. And of course, I, I'm not downplaying downplaying this at all. You know, my mother, 78, I have her quarantine. She's not allowed to leave the house. But my mom right. is also a very, like, my mom is a target for this virus, and she mm-hmm. does have health issues. So she's not leaving the house. But for other people who are pretty healthy and under the age of 60, there's no reason to be freaked out. It's just a question of taking extra care, washing your hands more, don't, you know, not touch your face. This is a very highly contagious flu. But, you know, we've got everybody is freaking out. And that's that's exactly what they want. And in addition to just the freak out over this disease where we don't really know what's true and what's not, because the media cannot be trusted. That's to, right. To give us any sort of information on, on this. That's just actually objective objective information you really do have to watch the press conferences with the people on the task force if you want to know what's really going on because all of the quote journalists our pulitzer friends they have an agenda and that's it's very scary to be in a situation where you do have a very serious um that where society is a very serious problem and you can't trust the main the corporate media the most visible media to give you the information um but i want to just um go go back to something i said about the uh about the me- the me- the media coverage mm-hmm. which is that on the one hand they're absolutely hysterical and they want to make you hysterical and terrified as well but then in a situation where the journalists are able to ask questions of the experts on this task force like Dr. Fauci, Dr. I think Bricks, she's really impressive. Um, These other heads of the CDC, they ask questions like, should Donald Trump keep shaking hands with people? Uh, Right. Like, really? Okay, so, you know, you've got a big tote board with the death count and the count of people who are sick. And that's your question. Should the president shake hands with people? So it's like they're it's serious and it's a panic, but also they're clowns. Well, they are clowns and they're dangerous and they're destructive because, look, the you know, you look at what Donald Trump has been through the past three years, uh, more than three years. So they started with it really does. I mean, I know he he seemed a little off of his game last night. Um, Of course, he's tired. The guy went literally from Russian collusion directly into impeachment. And now he has this crisis. And um, so just think, too, Liz, what were the Democrats doing as this pandemic started to unfold? What were they, they were, doing in they January? They were impeaching the president. They That's were right. busy with a much more important um, 
project, their their imp- operation impeachment, and they were also um, agitating because Trump wanted to shut down travel from right. the locusts and the hot zone with all the little typhoid Marys uh, from coming into the U.S. and spreading the disease here. That's so. So let's say you remove impeachment going on in January, which the Democrats, the never Trumpers and the media were obsessed with. Right. So it would be interesting to look back to see what Democrats leaders were actually saying at that time about coronavirus, because that's when Trump and his administration really started to address it as he's being impeached. Right. Now, imagine we know what that looked like at the time. So he's still trying to run the government even though you have Democrats trying to throw him out of the Oval Office and he's still trying to focus on what is viewed as a looming menace. The Democrats are doing nothing. They still have the house. What were they doing at the time? What did Nancy Pelosi say about this? What were their plans? Nothing. They were trying to remove this man, hamstring his capabilities, his abilities, the executive branch entirely, And he still managed to get things done early on. And but the Democrats are getting no blame for any of this. That was the big harm in impeachment. And now you could see some of the outcomes there that when a legitimate crisis or potential crisis was happening, they were worried about a phone call from July 2019 to a Ukrainian president. That's what they were focused on and protecting Joe Biden at the same time. Well, and they'll never be held accountable for it. either. Never. That's why never. they keep doing it. I mean, if you think about it, if you were never held accountable for your, let's say, your mistakes or your bad judgments, judgment calls, you would have no need to modify your behavior. So no one is going to go back and say, how come what were you guys doing when this was brewing in China? Right. Um, what were you and then also, I know that they were not happy with the shutting down travel from China. I mean, that was. That was like January 31st. They were right. not not happy about that at all. So what I hear is just more of the same. The coming up to the microphones, talking about how horrible it is. All that Trump does is lie. He hasn't handled this right. He's, he's personally infected all the people. I mean, all sorts of crazy mm-hmm. things. But what I don't hear from these people is what their plan is. What should the plan be? If Trump is doing it wrong, what would you do that would be right? But there and this is the infuriating thing. And it's the never Trumpers, too. Right. So they're out there like, well, Trump mishandled this from the beginning. And there were things that could have been done. Okay, name one. What what they could say the the testing. Okay, well, the genome, as far as what I've read, wasn't even available till the end of January. Uh, People have no idea what's involved in testing for a virus like this, right? Julie, these are people God. who have a PhD in virology from Twitter University. So oh, they I'm do sorry, know. You're right. So they've you gone step from out, step off. They've gone from experts in uh, oh, Russian collusion to constitutional experts. law <laughs> and impeachment history to to the virus. Experts viruses. of the 25th Amendment, experts yeah. of uh, the Emoluments Clause, the Logan, <laughs> Logan Act. Act. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could go through the whole list yeah. of experts there, but uh, this is and they had to go through. And obviously you have a lot of bureaucratic red tape that's been a concern at FDA and CDC forever, but a very involved process. And you can't send a test out 
that's going to have a lot of false results one way or the other. That's very dangerous. And so get a test or not. If you're feeling fine, you don't need a test. If you and if you go to the doctor and they give you a test for the flu and that's and it's not the flu. okay, you can start to eliminate what this could be and narrow it down before you even have a test. And so that's the one thing that they that they want to point to. But what else is there? The travel ban to China was huge. Right. The task force was huge. Things that they were the team that they were putting together, the information they were trying to get to the public. I mean, those are all important steps. Well, you can Uh, tell that it's not this isn't a good faith criticism, you know, like you're actually trying to problem solve when these people, especially the never Trumpers, the sort of Republicans in media only um, that crowd, when they know just as well as we know how problematic the government bureaucracy is they understand all of the sort of quagmire that is the cdc and the fda approval process as far as getting going through different processes that require different departments to sign off and forms filled and labs agreeing to test it and uh getting labs certified it's this very Unfortunately, I mean, that should be a takeaway is that we have to streamline emergency processes so that it doesn't take two years for somebody to get approval to run tests like this or to do research on a topic when they have they have data in front of them. But because they don't make a distinction between Trump's decisions that he makes and the fact that the CDC is a big fat mess of red tape, that's how you know that this isn't a real good faith authentic criticism of how Trump has conducted this operation. So that's right. Right. We all know, like, you know, you cover food, food freedom and Mm -hmm. food. So do I, I mean, it's, it's a hot mess over there. There are just agencies constantly fighting for authority over things and, and forms that have to be filled out. And then it's the other agencies, it's the other department or some guy that's on vacation. There's always people on vacation. There's so much red tape that should be a, such a lesson that we get out of this is that we really can't have this kind of burdensome regulation when we have a health emergency. And I think that's a, that's that's a topic we're just not going to be addressing. You know, that's just going to go the wayside because it's only useful to beat up Trump. But in and of itself, these people don't see it as a problem. Because remember, we had H1N1 under Obama with mm-hmm. a much higher death count. Right. And a much higher death count and infection rate before there were there was actually action taken on it with the same restrictions from the CDC and the same foot dragging. And you do not hear the same criticisms from these, uh, you know, these these interested, newly minted uh, PhDs in viruses. Right. Because and this is coronavirus they're licking their chops thinking this is going to result in the outcomes that they wanted from the collusion hoax and from impeachment to tank the economy. I mean, you saw after impeachment, Trump's approval ratings were sky high. The Republicans approval rating was sky high. The economy was doing well, relatively well. The stock market was increasing. You know, people's confidence was at record levels. Every barometer was in the right direction in terms of Trump and the Republican Party. And then this comes along. And in the famous words of Rahm Emanuel, don't ever let a crisis go to waste. They're exploiting every angle of this. And you have the weaklings in the corporate world, 
right? You have weaklings who are running our academic institutions. They're cowards. They're scared of their own shadow. They're afraid that something is going to get back up on them. And so they are taking the easiest way out. They don't really care. I mean, these these university presidents are going still going to be getting paid, like you just said. All the big CEO and Wall Streeters are going to keep getting paid. I mean, they're going to take a hit right now, but they know that it's not long term. But the restaurants, the small business owners, the vendors at these sports venues that rely yeah. on this—I mean, it, the you employees. go down the line college towns yeah i mean they're going to be shuttered all the store all the vendors and little restaurants and bars and everything related to that that rely on college living what's going to happen with them and so the trickle down effect is major and but that's where the left the resistance the never trumpers that's what they want to hit that's exactly they want to hit the little guy yep they want to hit the little guy because that's where the that's where the voter base is, and that's where they were feeling good about Trump, and that's what well, they want to sabotage. That's where that's where they can they can beat someone down so hard that they come to think the only place that can help them is the government, right? That's they want people to be dependent on government. Um, that you know, this last week, Trump has met with insurance companies, hospitals, pharmaceutical companies. Um, banks, financial right. institutions to try and work out something to ease the pain of the average American worker. Some people work are in the gig economy. If nobody's going anywhere and you make money from Uber or Lyft, you're in trouble. Right, right. These, these kinds of people or other small businesses, he's actually trying to work things out with them. What the Democrats have put out is just a giant, big, fat, porky wish list of all sorts of crazy things where – it's not something like give the people back more of their money in a payroll tax cut, which is something that Trump has suggested. But they want some sort of bailout, I think, with a bunch of pork sent to their districts. That's right. There's just a totally different – Trump has just a totally different way of handling it. And he has a different way of handling it than even a normal Republican, like an establishment Republican, who would do the same thing the Democrats do but just not as bad. Right. They wouldn't call in these industries and talk to them and say, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you float people? I mean, I've gotten messages from my credit card saying, hey, are you do you need help? Are you going to need help this month? Right. And I mean, I don't. But, um, you know, the, I've gotten all sorts of emails from vendors that I use, you know, OK, Sephora makeup, but whatever, um, you know, saying, hey, um, we're taking care to make sure our store is sanitary. Just a lot of effort from these businesses that Trump is directly trying to, you know, talk to to help out. Whereas a regular Republican would not go into the private sector like that. They would just want to throw down the government glove. Right. Right. So what do you think happens from here? Um, so this was a oh, I think we're dead. Julie. We're all dead, Julie. We're all dead. Bye. It was nice to know you. Bye. See ya. Um, I'm packing or I'm writing my will. See ya. Um, So that's, you know what I think? I think this is going to be over in about no more than two months. I think we're going to contain this. I think more people are going to have the virus. I think sadly more people will die, but I do think it's great that they're starting to shut down 
nursing homes and not let people in. I mean, you just that's the first thing that should have been done is anyone who's in the vulnerable population should have been, you know, like protected right out of the gate. That was that's really the most important thing. Um, And then I think people are going to get sick and I think it's going to probably the weather will will have some effect on it. And and I I do I don't think that this is um, a huge deal like for the for the regular American. I just think it takes some some uh, attention. And I I think all this screaming about tests um, just to go back to what you said. I know you asked one question, but just to go back to what you said about right. about the whole testing it. I, I've written about this at Morning Greatness. Like, I feel like a broken record, but I can't help but say it every day, which is that if you think you're sick, stay home. If you need medical attention from your sickness, then go get medical attention. Right. But it doesn't matter if you have the flu, if you have the influenza A, influenza B, or coronavirus. The, the treatment for those are are basically all the same, okay? They're power through it until you feel better, or you need to you need to get like you need to get on a breathing machine because you're really sick. But so I, I unless you're really medically compromised, I just think that this is an extremely contagious flu. We need more time to figure it out. Hopefully we'll get it constrained. And then the next time it comes around, the next time people eat bats from the wet market in <laughs> Wuhan, China, you know, we're better equipped. So I do I don't think this is going to. Last, I think it's smart for Trump to really cut off travel from Europe. I think it's really good for states to get active so we can just nip this in the bud as soon as possible. How about you? What do you think? Um, I think I'm pretty much where you are on that, too. Um, I mean, I think that a month from now, things are going to look very different and and better to. Uh, I, to your point, I think the weather is going to help. I think that people are going, uh, I think people are already sensing that this has been so overplayed, especially the political machinations that are uh, uh, in play and people are very wary. I mean, what we talked about before, the media has completely burned their credibility so the more that they overhype this, the more that they try to pin this on Trump, the more suspicious a lot of people are about this. And so I think people this week has been a big hit. But I think over the next week or so, if this doesn't, you know, rapidly spread, as we've been warned, and some of these measures, actually preventative measures, not shutting down college campuses, crazy things like that, but do help contain this, um, then you know, I think a month from now, this this looks a lot different. Oh, but absolutely. These people are still the the people at the lower end of the economic scale are still going to be hit for a long yes. time. Yes. I mean, I think that's a really good point, which is how long where people aren't seeing like bodies being, you know, corpses right. being dragged out into the street. Bring out bring your out, corpses. Bring out you, your dead. You know, I mean, sorry, that's. No, but that's the way the media is making it out to be. Because remember, there's 8,000 people have died this flu season already. And if if this were just really an issue about people dying, we didn't hear any, we didn't hear much. We heard just a little bit about the 22 people who were killed by the tornado in in Tennessee. Now, Mm -hmm. I know 
that those people don't matter because they're just dirty Trumper MAGA people. In Tennessee. They're, they're in Tennessee, right. outside Nashville. Obviously, they're not even human. <laughs> but also, did you know that we had three people die from a listeria infection from mushrooms? We did. That happened two days ago. Where is the media on the three people dead? I mean, this isn't really about people getting sick and dying. I mean, it's not like this is what the media cares about. It's like hurt, hurt Americans. It's, it's, that's secondary. And I think even when things get better, objectively, when we look around and say, okay, you know, we're not, it's not spreading or it's the spreading rate is going down and we're not seeing as many people dying and not as many people going to hospital. The media is going to drag this out as long as it can, because it really happened too early to impact the election. If this is basically much better in two months, they're going to have to drag it out in some way. There's there's you can uh, you can be guaranteed there's going to be congressional hearings on this afterwards. There's going to be subpoenas and Trump's covering up as if Trump is in some lab in Atlanta at the CDC, like you know, pouring Diet Coke in vials and sending it <laughs> off as as coronavirus tests. You know, this guy, that's the way they treat it. It's like Trump is personally involved right. in sending out bogus tests or, you know, giving people the runaround or, you know, the 48 hour time it takes to process a coronavirus test. Um, one other issue that is frustrating for me and not I'm sure for you because I know we're simpatico on this is this repeated appeal to the federal government to come in on a white horse and rescue you mm-hmm. right if you're listening to this you probably agree with us but I just want to say it anyway the federal government cannot save you in an emergency locally okay your state your city your county should be able to handle an emergency. They're supposed to have plans for all sorts of different emergencies, natural disasters. You you know, these stories of people going to hospitals and saying like the nurse doesn't know what coronavirus is, all this stuff. That is not Donald Trump's fault. Okay. That is your local, that's your state's problem. That's your state doesn't have the hospitals up to speed, your county, your cities. Cannot think that it from Washington, D.C. or the CDC in Atlanta, they are going to come into your neighborhood and fix your virus problem. That is just ridiculous. And that's kind of thinking you would think people would have learned from Katrina when they're just like waiting around for, you know, I don't know, some magical Washington, D.C. person to come in and rescue them that no, that is not how it works. Right. Very frustrating to see this. I'm sure you feel the same, Julie. Yes, for sure. All of the above. And as I'm getting texts from my daughter, who's in high school here, where there's no cases where I live in the Chicago suburbs. And she's like, they're telling us we're not going to be back after spring break. And their spring break is the end of March. And my daughter is like, she's funny because I mean, my daughters are both big right wingers like their mom. Thankfully, not like a Democrat, like their daddy, but still. Um, And she's like, you know, these people are so panicked. They must be liberals. That's so (laughs) you must be so proud. We're lucky, Julie, because our friends all have like awesome kids. Right. Right? We're not going to name names, but we have friends that you probably know who they are. And Mm -hmm. their kids are like, it's great to know that they'll be the they'll be the ones reclaiming our (laughs) our American history once the left, you know, 
takes uh, the Bernie people and the AOCs try and take over America uh, with their <laughs> weird political ideas. But that's I think you must be so proud. That's amazing. I, I'm proud for you. Thank you. Yeah, she's a she's a good girl. She also told me how one of her teachers was bragging that their daughter had a story, an article up on CNN. And my youngest one was like, and mom, I'm just thinking in my head, that's fake news. <laughs> she should have said that. No, she shouldn't because she don't want her to get a bad grade. She should yeah, have been like, you know. fake news. <laughs> well, I'm not I, surprised that they're publishing like a high school student. Like that basically, what's the difference between that and like Don Lemon or is he on CNN? I don't yes. even know which Joker is oh. on which network. Okay. So Don Lemon, did you catch, I know you did, his meltdown with John Kasich? I no, mean, I ha- I have the video to watch okay. and I haven't watched it. So tell me about it. I, I'm totally, I totally want to watch it. So only Don Lemon can make you for a moment kind of like John Kasich, because of course John Kasich is just a never Trumper and a fraud and you know, all of the above. He's a, clown. He's a total clown. Yeah. So he, John Kasich was actually trying to explain that he thought that Donald Trump's address last night was appropriate and measured and necessary. And Don Lemon is just screaming over him um, that, you know, how can you say that? I'm not going to let you sit on this network and say that Uh, he's done nothing. You know, just this typical Don Lemon tirade. And you could tell John Kasich, who ha- who is notorious for his bad temper, right? He's got a terrible temper. So you could see he's just ready to explode. And so they get in this on-air argument um, about what they just said. And Don Lemon is sitting there saying, well, people are more confused than ever. It was literally like a few minutes after the speech was over. Like, how do you even know that? Not? Who have you talked to in between this interview and the president's address to the nation? Just making things up. And so Kasich was quasi defending Trump and uh, CNN was having none of it. That's not a surprise. Did you did you see Gavin Newsom talking about Gavin? Even Gavin Newsom said they have been given us everything we want. They've said that they would work with us. You know, I mean, this is not the time for people to to faff around with their little political jihads. Right. It's just it's that is not what people want. And I I I really think that the the Democrats and the left and the media are going to once again, as I say, shit the bed on this. Mm-hmm. People are probably disgusted because, again, you have Jim Acosta asking a question in a press conference with the head of the CDC, the coronavirus task force, all of these very reputable, decorated expert and his question is should the president continue to shake people's hands (laughs) that was jim acosta i saw it and i my jaw dropped these are not serious people they are partisan activists and advocates that's right really just disgusting and when you just it's destructive and dangerous well that's what they want that i mean that this is this is how you destroy the fabric of society that's right? right i mean you know And I know that really civil society is actually quite fragile, as you can see Mm -hmm. as now where you can't buy toilet paper anymore. Now, I don't know why people think they need toilet paper. Um, (laughs) I, I do have a lot of toilet paper here. But the reason I have it is because I'm afraid I won't be able to get it when I need it. But it's not it's not a product that I normally hoard. And I do I I I'm I'm on the 
more extreme side of the a prepper index. And you, Julie, mm-hmm. knows this. I'm, <clears throat> I am, you know, I, I have as much as I can have in a, an, in a city where I live and the real estate's very expensive. So I don't have like a compound yet, but one day. Anyway, but you look <laughs> at these people, you go, there are fights breaking out in grocery stores over toilet paper. I, right. when I was with my mom a couple, like a couple, I think it was a couple weeks ago. And before I left, I wanted to get her, because my mother, again, is vulnerable. I wanted to get her as much things as possible so she wouldn't have to leave the house. And I'm in Costco, and I'm thinking, I need brass knuckles to get water. These people act like their faucet's not going to work. I mean, get a Brita and fill it up with water. But right. That we're seeing here how 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 the fabric is so fragile and the media, the, the Acostas, the Habermans, they, they're job is to tr- tear it all down into chaos and and that's and that's reflected in their reporting um it really is now let's um before we wrap up i want to ask you because um donald trump just tweeted the president just tweeted something about the fisa renewal um so just to pivot to something near and dear to our hearts first let me ask you liz we were big fans of attorney general bill barr uh, where are you? Our ex-boyfriend. Uh, our ex. <laughs> <laughs> we broke up with him. He doesn't we're, even know it. We, we ghosted him. We're, we're just ghosting him. <laughs> He's not going to hear from us again. <laughs> he has no clue who we are, but still. <laughs> so his stalkers know more. So what do you think? Where are you on Bill Barr now? I mean, it's been a year since he was confirmed. It's been almost a year since he appointed John Durham to look into Crossfire Hurricane. Where are you on our trust level of our former boyfriend? Well, you know, I, I, I think the the likelihood that we would get somebody who's just a hundred percent awesome in that job is is nothing. We're never going to get that. So I, I think Barr is probably the best we're going to get, and even the Democrats will probably regret letting him get through the confirmation process because whoever Trump picks has to be confirmed and the Democrats would always make that a bloody spectacle. So I don't agree with him on this. I think they should shut the FISA court down entirely. And um, I'm ne- I've never been a fan of the FISA court. I've always felt that it's ripe for political abuse. And I was correct as we've all now know from these reports and these tragedies that have been undertaken. So I don't agree with him. I'm disappointed, but I don't agree with him on some of the other stuff he does, too. So as is with all politics, you know, it's like, okay, he's good on some. It's like so but he's good with the kids. Right. You know what I mean? When you're married and your husband's kind of a dud, but you're like, but he's really good with the kids. That's kind of how I feel about (laughs) Barr. He's good with the kids, though. He's a good father. Right? So he supported <laughs> he he did, but he supports this clean renewal of FISA and these three provisions, I guess, technically under the Patriot Act, but it's all under the same you know purview. Um, so he supported this kind of clean renewal of it. And uh, you had certain congressmen, Jim Jordan, I believe, negotiated with Nadler on passing the FISA renewal yesterday. The House Freedom Caucus, though, came out against it. So say Andy Biggs and that crowd opposed it. Um, And so the president just tweeted out, many Republican senators want me to veto the FISA bill until we find out what led to and happened with the illegal attempted coup of the elected president of the United States and others. Um, So 
yes, I think what you're just saying about FISA basically shut it down. I think that there have been some other people, Andy McCarthy, who wants the three provisions under the Patriot Act. One is the wiretapping, one is the lone wolf provision, um, and then I think it's business records collection. He wants those to stay in place. But the FISA court actually is the biggest problem. And we kind of saw why after the release of the Horowitz report. These judges signed off not once, but four times on this sketchy, shady looking application um, that used the dossier, that used the Yahoo News article as evidence. They signed off on that four times on an application that called Carter Page a foreign agent of Russia, basically a traitor. Um, and so, but when the Horowitz report came out, now of course they already knew about this in July of 2018 when Devin Nunes sent them a letter going through everything that they had found from his, that was articulated in his memo a few months before. They knew about all of this, right? But it wasn't until the Horowitz report came out where they finally were in a corner, right? They were caught. They had to reply. So what was their response? Not, we messed up. We should have done better. We're federal judges appointed by the chief justice of the Supreme Court, right? These aren't schmoes that they drag off the street. Um, Not we should have done better. We accept. No, it was we were misled by the FBI. So everyone's passing the buck. And what Andy McCarthy basically said is the judiciary should have played no role in this at all for the very reason what we just saw, which is that there's no accountability. You can't vote those judges out of office. There's no accountability for the FBI agents either. (laughs) Okay. And that's the biggest problem. Why we shouldn't renew any of this because not one person, they sign the FISA application. It clearly states under penalty of perjury that all of this information is true and correct. Those are the words. Not one person has been held accountable. The Durham investigation is coming up on one year. The Justice Department declined charges against James Comey and Andrew McCabe, criminal referrals made by Michael Horowitz, unrelated to FISA, but still part of their corrupt conduct in office. And so I think if the president, uh, if this gets sent to, now we know Rand Paul is already opposed to this, but Mike this Lee, gets, Mike Lee too, I think. Mike Lee, right. I think, and Ben Sass, who's a, we know is not trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> but during the Horowitz hearing in the Senate, he did say that he was siding with Mike Lee, that he hadn't before, but he sees Mike Lee's point on this. So we'll see what happens when it gets to the Senate. You know what, you know what Trump should do? He should do what Nancy Pelosi did with his state of the union speech and just rip it in half. <laughs> no, he really should. And he should do it on, on camera too. Right. And just do the whole Pelosi thing where she's like main, maniacally like shredding the papers. I, <laughs> I, I agree with you, Julie, we're on the same page there. I think there shouldn't be, a, there, I don't think there's a way to fix this. There's no way to fix it. The, the problem with the federal government across the board, but really in a dangerous way we saw with the FBI and what happened with the Russia collusion hoax and this coup is that these people are in this murky, hazy um, sphere where nobody's responsible. Like in the real world, in a real job, somebody is freaking responsible and that person is going to get freaking fired. But it's apparently no person is responsible for lying to the FISA court. And I'm not going to defend these judges because I think their re- reaction to this was just 
absolutely disgusting. But really, when they get a pile of documents, and you know those FICE applications are massive, right? It's not just like a flyer. There's this massive amount of information. And it's signed by multiple people at very high levels that it's true and they swear to God it's true and they swear on their grandmother and their kids and all that. Yeah, right. You know, the FISA court, the judges are not equipped to know whether it's true or not. If this agent comes in and says, Carter Page is a Russian spy, how the hell are they going to know he's not? Especially when they're forging emails, you know, like they did in this, in that one case where they forged the email from the CIA. So on the one hand, you know, the judge's ability to verify the information in there is extremely, if not totally limited. And it's ridiculous to think that they could do it. But on the other hand, they were... If this was so important as we're led to believe that it has to be renewed for national security reasons, well, the judges didn't seem very pissed when they were tricked. So then I wonder, well, how important was it really? You don't seem to be angry that the most powerful tool was used against the most innocent person and you were part of that chain. Um, And they're they're not they're not angry. There's no there's no repercussions for any of these people. They're not getting punished. If you signed a document under the penalty of perjury and swore it was true, you would not be treated this gently. So, you know, I I just think it you you, you need to come up with some other way, get a warrant. I don't know. But this FISA, the secret court, it needs to stop. And I'm disappointed in Barr, but not it's not unexpected, you know, that he's a law and order guy. And I think on the one hand, he's I don't think he's as woke as you and I, Julie, where he wants things to go back to being the way they're supposed to be. And we're like, Oh no, we're, we're, we're over that. Like, it's not, it's not going to go back to the way it's supposed to be. And it's time to start, you know, burning some shit down because, you know, it's not fixed when we just go back to, to being honest and straightforward because that's why we have Trump, right. Is a bunch of people playing, playing, by these rules and then their adversaries not playing by the rules. Right. And so people finally got sick of it and they were like, I can't, I like Trump because you know, he hits back. And, and, and so I think Barr is good on some things and I just don't really think he's good on this. And I really hope that president Trump just says, Oh bitch, please. And rips it up. (laughs) Seriously. I do. I think that would be good. I think that that's necessary because um, it it just speaks to one more thing that the left, the resistance, the never Trump has set up as a precedent. The next Trump one day will be gone, whether it's next January or four years after that. The precedent that they have set for millions of Americans like us who will never give the next Democratic president the benefit of the doubt, who will never allow them to get away with uh, whatever the next crisis is, will always now point to, well, when this happened with Trump, here's what you said. You politicized coronavirus. You rooted for the crash of the stock market. You actually were hoping that there would be more dead bodies so you could pin that on Trump. Like, All of these presidents, you weaponized these agencies against the campaign and then defended the people who did them as some kind of patriots rather than subversives and traitors, which they basically were. So all these presidents that they are establishing someday are going to be dumped right back in their lap because we will never give a Democratic president one inch of a benefit of the doubt. I don't care who it is. They won't. 
but the difference is that we actually don't have the power to do anything about it the way that the left did to Trump. We couldn't do to a Democrat president what the Democrats and the left have done to Trump. We just don't control the institutions. We can actually control no institutions. (laughs) So, you know, we can keep writing our you know, we can start we can talk smack on our podcast and we can write our pieces and tweet mean things out. But let's be honest, you know, the Republican establishment, which are just waiting out Trump, make no mistake, there's just a handful of actual oh, yeah. congressmen right. and maybe one or two senators who are kind of get what's going on. And the rest of them are just putting on a happy face for the camera and waiting them out. Their 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 plan is to go back to the same old, same old. And so they're not going to be like, OK, now it's time for us to investigate you. And we're going to have people following your staffers around and screaming at them and not letting them eat and um, probably spitting that's out right. food. And, um, you know, no, that's not going to happen that, you know, again, w- why isn't has anyone in our Pulitzer media meet corporate media managed to determine who the whistleblower is yet? I mean, Again, I guess we're just not going to we're just going to move on from that. You know, the the fake whistleblower for Trump, the Trump impeachment, you know, they just drop that because, you know, it's not politically convenient. But again, we just don't have that power. And so that's really the sad, the sad part. The real result is that you have at least half a country that has no faith in in the institutions and no faith in the media anymore. That's That's where we are. And that is, my friends, is when shit gets real. Yeah. I, th- when, I think so, too. That's when you buy gold and you start <laughs> homesteading. Buying toilet paper. And you buy toilet paper at Costco and you defend your toilet paper with your life. So we're going to we're almost done. But before we go, there's one thing. So we talked about adding like a new feature to our podcast, our new new podcast, which is one new thing. So. I know I'm springing this on Julie because I just remembered because I'm old and I forget things <laughs> thanks, super thanks. easily. Thanks, but Joe Biden. Each show, we're going to talk about one new thing. It's not going to be long and complicated. It's going to be like one new neat thing that we've discovered in our life or that we want to bring out. We want to share with you. It doesn't even have to be new for us. Just something we want to share with you that we like or we find interesting. So, um, Julie, do you want to go now that I totally put you on the spot and you have to make something up really quick or do you want me to go first? Well, now that you put me on the spot, I just have <laughs> to go to my go-to, ex- whatever my go-to place, which is, of course, <laughs> always wine or some kind of alcoholic beverage. <laughs> so my latest obsession, because like I said, I'm outside of Chicago. It hasn't been a bad winter, but it's definitely red wine season. So my new favorite red wine is called Schaefer Relentless. Um, it's a blend. It's a Syrah blend, um, but it's so smooth and uh, delicious. And I think I've bought out my local Binnie's supply. My husband actually ordered, just ordered a case for me. Not that I go through that much. <laughs> <laughs> but if somebody's looking for a di- you know, you just get sick of, I like heavy red wine. So I'm a Cabernet drinker and sometimes you just get sick of that too. So this is my new, that's my latest obsession. Of course, wine. That's funny. So when I ask you, Julie, what's the weather? You're going to be like, it's red wine. It's, it's Schaefer Relentless. It's weather. Schaefer Relentless. Oh, that sounds toasty. <laughs> yes, it does. So what is your newest obsession? Okay, so this isn't a new obsession. It's just a plug for actually, sadly, another podcast. And Julie's heard me rant all morning about this (laughs) podcast because 
it was so good today. And it's actually something I listen to every morning. And he is a really good friend of mine, too, is Derek Hunter's podcast at The Daily Caller. He is great today because he's using profanity <laughs> because Yay. he's so disgusted because um, Derek also does a regular radio show host. So I think he probably doesn't want to get in the habit of just dropping F-bombs and all sorts of see you next Tuesdays and all kinds of things. So but his show is really great. It's on every day. It's an hour. It's called Daily, Daily Caller Podcast. So I, I, I highly recommend it. And um, we will put the name of and a link to. Derek's podcast in our show notes and we will put a link and the name of Julie's wine in the show notes and um we're, we don't get anything Yay. from this because we're not sponsored <laughs> we're just we're just we're just us we're just doing this out of our love for talking um into the ether ranting so, yeah. yes so um that's it for this week's uh, happy hour. Although we, we will do happy hours whenever we feel like it. We'll do them at least a once a week, but if there's something crazy that goes on and we feel like we need to get into a podcast, we have the ability to just move on that quick. So every week, usually by Friday at the latest. So you can follow me and Julie on Twitter and we'll update there and soon we'll have our own page and we'll be like a grown up podcast. We'll be like a real podcast <laughs> with a link and show notes. We're making it. We're like Laverne and Shirley. We're real. We're going to make it after all. <laughs> okay, everybody. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.